Where are we going? Welcome to this exclusive podcast produced by Spirit Watch Ministries that will show where life in our darkening times is now turning and how you can avoid the detours of deception through the hope of biblical truth. The Lord Jesus in Matthew 24 warned us over two millennia ago and how urgently we need to heed him now. Our host is Pastor Rafael Martinez, a seasoned Northwest Indiana-based minister, intercessor, and counter-cult apologist who will help you discern the journey of change we're all on as the last day of the last days now winds down. For more information, check out our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org. Now. Here's Pastor Raphael. Hello, I'm Raphael Martinez, a minister within the Church of God Cleveland Movement, and I'm the director of Spirit Watch Ministries, an outreach of Christian discernment created to provide biblical responses to the deceptions of our fallen age. Thanks for stopping by to our podcast today entitled, Where Are We Going? We're thankful that you downloaded us, and we hope that you'll bookmark us and return as well. Uh, please tell your friends about us and help spread the word about our podcast. We do want to try to build up our audience and appreciate any help you can offer towards that. It's easy to find links to our podcast sites on our ministry website, spiritwatch.org, as well as on our Facebook page, and our blogger site entitled Spirit Watch Unchained. Read more of our work there, as well as for in-depth research articles, video, audio bites, and so much more. Now, we've been led by the Lord to press on with bringing critical perspectives on the Xenos Dwell movement of Columbus, Ohio. Starting as a massive Ohio State campus Bible study network back in the 1970s, it incorporated itself as a church and has been quite active there for almost 50 years. Founded by Dennis McCallum with Gary DeLashmet, Xenos Slash Dwell prides itself as being a cutting-edge home church movement that focuses its outreach almost exclusively on the young men and women who attend Ohio State University there in Columbus. Now, they've built enough of a church and school structure there to care for the needs of their multi-generational congregation. But we've discerned that the backstory that underlies their corporate life during all these years needs to be examined and brought into the light as often as possible. In fact, if I was not a bivocational minister, struggling to support myself by working a secular job as I have throughout my entire 39 years of ministry, I'd be bringing this up every day that I possibly could. We've found that there's no shortage of people who've approached us who've been impacted adversely by Xenos slash Dwell, who are wanting to share their stories. And, and for those of you who've, n- who've been in touch with us to do so, we want to thank you for your patience as we seek to follow up with each and every one of you. You've not been forgotten, and, I, and we appreciate your reaching out. Now, while there are many dimensions of the social chaos that Xenos slash Dwell has brought the thousands of young men and women under which we could examine, there's one tragic common denominator that they all share, which has been the terrible abuse and damage that this movement has wrought upon them as they were being so-called discipled under the church's auspices, of course. Among that great host of damaged disciples is Erin Kreider, who wanted to share her own journey through and out of Zenos slash Dwell. So we invite her to our podcast today to tell her own story and for, and for her own personal elaboration on what it's like to live in a culture of towering hypocrisy practiced by a soulless corporate entity calling itself a church, which actually seeks an utter subjugation of its subjects, not an encouraging sanctification of fellow pilgrims. 
Xenos's inner circle is a cultural mechanism used to create clones, self-representing it uh, by using the popular evangelical terminology as a missional replication. Now, we'll speak more of that big picture vision later in our podcasts as we go on, but we want to observe that it's easy to lose souls in the juggling of religious busy work, and that it is they who suffer the consequences when the juggling fails. And this is something that our podcast guest, Aaron, will certainly give us more sharing upon. Well, thanks for dropping by the virtual studios of Spirit Watch Ministries today, Aaron. Uh, we hope the Culver stuff chairs are comfortable. <laughs> hope you're enjoying <laughs> yourself there. So there's Corinthian leather. We spared no expense. <laughs> uh, okay. And so, well, I appreciate you coming by. And once again, uh, we want to just uh, ask our, our those who visit us today to just kind of share from their heart and just basically tell their truth, tell their story. So uh, as we've been sharing, uh, you uh, you were uh, kind of indicating to us that you, know, you are what our, our colloquial called one of the Xenos babies, so to speak. Uh, but you're kind of like, a, like an older one. I think you said you were five years old when you started attending, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, great. So, and many of your friends that you made at church were there. And what year was that, by the way? Uh, how old were you then? Let's see. Uh, let me think about this. 92, 91, 92 would okay. have been when I started attending. Um, my mom is a home health nurse, still a home health nurse, and it's almost 70. And um, she had a friend. Um, who she worked with and the woman was looking for an attorney and my dad happens to be an attorney. She was, I think looking to get a divorce or something. I'm, I don't know, but yeah. um, they ended up talking and I think my mom had always kind of wanted to get back into church. She was raised Catholic and she, I think wanted to try something different something new so she started attending and um the woman had a, a daughter that was of the same age and we became close friends and so we attended together and okay. uh went to oasis the like sunday school version mm-hmm. <laughs> all right are they are they uh, are your parents uh did they, did they both become active with xeno so are they still there um, my mom was active in Xenos for a really long time. My dad never became active. Um, my parents split when I was, not, like, split apart when I was nine. And okay. um, that that would have been um, a huge, like, transition period for me because I went to public school um, my entire life. Um, my dad really believed in, like, me attending public school he my mom always wanted to send me to catholic school she you know Uh she was raised catholic so that's what she wanted but he i think was more didn't want to spend the money and was fine with public school so um when they split up she decided she was going to send me to calumet and um from nine nine years on till i was 14 I went to Calumet and um, right in those like real crucial, like formidable years when you're like, you know, trying to figure yourself out as a kid and you're, you're in junior high. So it was, I'm just going to say 
not easy, but I got through it, I guess. <laughs> right. So that so explain to me, you know, a little more. I mean, I'm still I still am, am, am always very interested in hearing how Xenos does that. When you got involved in '92, didn't they have the uh, the ch- uh, church child care system, and then they also had just constructed a grade school that 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 and, and, and also an adjoining high school? Um, I don't know anything. I think I remember hearing something about a high school that they tried, and it didn't work out. Um, they do did have a grade school and my mom she always wanted to send me to Calumet but my dad would never let her and then when they split that was when I went so um yeah from what I understand now I think they still just have I think it's it might be preschool even now through eighth grade okay I think that's it yeah all right right, so basically it's pre- uh, pre-K through Midler. That's what they basically yeah, have there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. So, so, uh, and I think it's kind of an expected thing. If you attend a church, you're really kind of, I guess, strongly encouraged to make sure your children go there as opposed to anywhere else. Does that sound right? Right. 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 So, so as you went and, and as you went through there, um, uh, from what I, you know, for, you know, f- there's a lot that, uh, you know, Xenos, of course, has its, has, a, has its own unique, distinctive way of of um, sharing its own truth to 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 and and what it wants kids to you know basically come away with, uh, but uh, f- uh, being in, in Xenos uh, from what I'm hearing is to, is to be basically groomed for leadership, and to also mm-hmm. be part of this this evangelistic outthrust uh, to reach the world uh, for Jesus as they as they would say. So so that, that's really what is that? I mean, well, I was going to ask, is that something you really saw as 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 a big emphasis there? I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's what they say. Like, they're all about the Great Commission, you know, go out and make disciples of all nations. But, you know, as I got older and kind of started thinking about that more, that's where I started seeing some kind of red flags, you know, no. because, okay, go ahead. I, I, I can tell you about to ask me something. No, 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 no. Go ahead. I was just saying, oh, I was okay. agreeing with you. I was just saying, right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> um, just, you know, as I get further in my story, it, it gets, the areas become kind of black and white where you're, you know, I grew up hearing stories about Jesus and, you know, he hung out with lepers and, you know, the poor and, you know, prostitutes and like, didn't like, that's, that's how we're supposed to be. Not that I'm, you know, wanting to go and like, you know, hang out with these people and associate with these people. But if it means spreading the the word and spreading the great commission then okay but as i got older and i was trying to do that they were not they they were were per- particular about who i was spreading it to uh, and right. that that became like what like i you have been telling me my entire life to do this and now you're telling me oh but forget about my gay friends forget about them because they're a lost cause i mean that's an actual quote 
from yeah. one of my leaders, you know? Right. And to me, that, that was something like that, that didn't seem at all right. That seemed really far off and it, it seems like, okay, you know, maybe they're not going to accept Christ right now, here, now, you know, sitting with me here. Okay, but like, you never know, you know, this is God, you know, he's going to work when he's going to work. And we can't put um a stopwatch on his timing, you know, like, it just seemed like they were trying to move things more according to the way they wanted it to work or in in the pace that they wanted it to work right. rather than actually allowing God to move in and work with this person's heart, you right. know? Right, exactly. And that was, that was disconcerting to me. So right. I was like, I didn't, that was just one of the things, you know. So right. grew up, you know, having that set in my mind, you know, being conditioned with that in my mind. Okay, when you're in middle school, you know, you're not so sure who's going to come out as gay or who's not, you know. So then when you become an adult and you figure out who these people are, you're telling me that I shouldn't go to them too with the word and, you know, this thing that I know that's supposed to be so special and it's supposed to, you know, bring them salvation and, you know, comfort. And you're telling me I'm not supposed to share that with them. You know, like that was one thing that was very, I don't know. Uh, I had issues with that um, as I got in the college years, for sure. Right. So, so that kind of, I mean, well, like I said, that that kind of perspective, you know, looking at gay people as if they were this, as you say, the lost cause. They're uh, that that yes. the homosexual people were were just beneath your attention. That they were it was a waste of time to say anything to them, to, to get close to them, to you know, you yes. relate to them as as, as human beings. Uh, that was something I think probably you probably caught more when you were in in the in the as you got older, uh, like like yes, toward the toward the high school years, right? So definitely, so, yeah. So basically, though. When you were younger, and and like I said, I mean that's a it's a good that's a good point to make. I mean it, it just shows where Zenos is going with. But when you were younger, it wasn't like that. You said you said there was everyone was it seemed like the vision that you were given, uh, the teaching you were given as as in most evangelical churches is that everyone should hear the gospel, everyone should lo- be loved, everyone mm-hmm. should be cared yes. for. And that, uh, that's something that, you know, the, uh, all the Bible stories and flanographs you heard and, uh, we're, we're, we're reinforcing all that, that as, as, a, as an early age, you learn that, you know, that this is the way we should be relating. And then, and then the subtle change began. That's, a, that's, yes. that's what you're, so what was unique about the Xenos Children's Ministries that started to place that kind of position? For, and and also emphasize the issue that you're being called to be a leader. You're called to go out and 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 change the world. Uh, what were they saying? What was the, what were some of the things they did that uniquely spelled out for kids what Xenos wanted them to understand about that? 
Well, I think one thing is, you know, they get you involved in that, in the junior high ministry is where they really like, you know, amp up everything. Mm-hmm. And it's really attractive to kids because it's fun. And they do things, they go bowling, they go to movies, you know, they have the summer camp every year. Um, and I mean, yeah, God's message is in, in, all of that there, you know, that's where you start hearing it. You start hearing and start really kind of, you know, I think caring about it to a degree, um, when you're in middle school, um, I was, I was trying to remember the other part of your question. <laughs> well, I was, I was just specifically asking, you know, about, yeah. and, you know, what, you know, you, you I mean, you've, you've, you've reflected upon the fact that, uh, that the socializing, the activity, uh, from yes. middle school age hour becomes more structured, of course, and more, and more socially oriented is as opposed to just being, you know, kids playing and, and hearing nice Bible stories. Now they're being moved into, into activities where they're socializing and interacting with each other, but they're now they're starting to hear what Xenos wants them to hear, what they're starting to be, they're starting to being taught the worldview. They're starting to being taught about how to view uh, the world around them right. in, in a yes. bigger way. Yes. And, I, and I was just asking, uh, and you made some great points about uh, how they did this through their, through bowling, through skating, through, oh, through yeah, socializing. Uh, yes. What were some of the, can you remember some of the ob- object lessons that may have been taught to you during those times that started leading you to that direction that Zenas wanted you to go? Oh, oh, it's been such a long time. I know. Let me see. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, I know that outreach was a big one and like that was really hard for me and my particular cell group because we were all Xenos babies. So we didn't know anybody that wasn't already, you know, in the church unless you played like sports for the rec center or something like that. Mm. I mean, they were trying to get you to already start bringing your friends out okay. at that age. Right. Um, they give, you know, major, major, like, props and, like, attention to these kids who are doing these things, which, which is great. I'm not saying that that shouldn't be, but when you're a kid, and you're, especially in middle school, and you're seeing your friends or even, like, your frenemies or, like, enemies or whatever, you know, get this attention for these things that they're doing, you either, A, get jealous, or, B, you start trying to figure out, okay, what can I do to, like, you know, get the attention myself, Right. You know, so then it's like, okay, is, is it, is it for God or is it for popularity or, it, you know, like, right. so I, I think that, I, I don't know, so, some of the dynamic of the way that they do the, the youth things in general really, really concern me because of what I know now as an adult and studying kids and the way their minds work like I don't I don't know 
Like you, you instill these things at a young age to get this product, you know, now and from, from now on, you right. know, and it's, right. it's kind of, it's scary. Like, like you put it to me, you're creating robots, you know? Mm-hmm. And one thing you, you notice when you get into high school group is that will continue that either a competition to keep up with each other and be the best Christian or whatever. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Saved. Um, it has Mandy Moore in it, but if you've never seen it, it's a really good movie about like basically it's, it's a black comedy about a, a girl who is a Christian in a Christian school and does all these Christian things ends up pregnant. And mm. so it, it's, it's just interesting how they, they go about like handling it and how the whole church looks at the problem. Like it is a problem, you know, like it's not, I, I don't know. I'm going off on a tangent, but it's, I just think that when you start putting these things in kids' minds at a young age, you know, then I, I kind of feel like you know what you're doing. You right. know exactly what you're doing, whether right. it be for good or for bad, you know. Right. Exactly. So, so well, according <laughs> to Scripture, the, the Great Commission of Jesus Christ is his call to reach the world with a personal proclamation to, that comes through your personal words and deeds, how you live. And how you live out yeah. the truth of the gospel, uh, which calls people to trust on him for salvation and, and to love and serve God and others in his name. I mean, that's to me what the Great Commission is according to scripture. And in Xenos, it just seems something far different. It sounds like, you know, and, and, and I've been hearing consistently that, 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 that the, the drive for souls, butts in the seats, you know, notches yes, on your belt. That's it. Uh, it becomes Definitely. an issue of, and, and what, and the larger picture is that young children, including yourself, are taught that performance, uh, meeting, meeting yeah. numbers, uh, looking, looking the part is far more important than maybe the consideration of the essence. I mean, why are you doing this? Are you doing this because you love and care about people or because your yeah. youth leader drove you to go ahead and seek them? Save them. I mean, I mean, um, look, I'm a minister. I'm, I'm, I believe in salvation. I believe in reaching out, but there's ways to do that that are so alienating and so uh, self-serving that they just fit hand in glove with the, the with the the ulterior motives that a group wanting to replicate itself like Xenos pushes. Right. Right. I and mean, then you wonder the quality of everyone's walk with God. You know, like, all, because all you're pushing for is numbers. What about, what about your people? What about your people? You know, like, that's what I think about. I think about the many people that I saw just kind of fall by the wayside because we're so focused on this one main goal of getting, replicating, 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 you know, and like, it's, I, I, I don't know. It got overwhelming when I was in college group to say the least. Um, the, the, um, relationships were, began as very, you know, vibrant and awesome. And, you know, the, the kind of deep relationships you want to build, you know, especially when two people are, 
or multiple people are seeking the same thing and are loving God, you know? Um, but then as that replicates and it, it just keeps happening like that, there, there's no time. There's no time to build relationships. There's mm-hmm. no time to sit and reflect. There's no time to do that because I mean, what, are we saving the world or what are we doing? You know, are we, you know, like I just, mm, it gets to yeah. a point where you, you're like, what is happening? So. Right. And, and that's a great question because that's where it becomes a, a really crucial bit of wrestling within people about the whole nature of faith. Is right. faith a, a system of works? Is it something, is it, is it a cultural moray? Is it something you're doing, uh, to, uh, to comply with the demands of an authority that speaks for God and says, well, this is what you need to do? Or is it something, and I think it is, something far more deeper, something far more personal, something that should be owned by someone as, as a, as a response of their love for God and their love for people? That, right. that to me is what, is what makes, makes the big difference here. You know, in, in the Christian faith, disciples, are learners who are seeking to make their faith better and, and to serve others better. Uh, is that something you actually learn in that, in that system of, or, or, or would it seem more like you're just being conditioned to be a certain way? Um, honestly, I, and I honestly feel like it's conditioned. You're, you're like conditioned to, to be a yes man, you okay. know? Right. And the minute that you, you know, you're at a certain point, like if you, I can't really say if you started having questions in, in middle school, what it would be like, you know, but, um, when I started questioning things in my college home church, it was like, what? You know, like, what did you say? Who stood up in the back over there? <laughs> okay. You know? Like, and it, 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 the only thing is, is like, I, I just want it. I want to, I want things to be edifying, you know, which is a Xenos word. I'm sorry if that was triggering for anybody, but edifying is what I want. I want, Mm -hmm. I want good relationships. I want to know that like when I come here, you know, since I'm spending what five nights a week hanging out with you guys, like that you know, when I get off work that I can come here and that, you know, I can have some encouragement or just even be like in your presence and feel, you know, comforted, you know, like, I I just, it got to a point where it became like, there was none of that. There was none of that. My home church in college group was, it, it started out really great. And then it, it, I, I don't know. I don't know. Everybody stopped hanging out with each other. And the minute that I tried to bring something up about it, I, you know, we, I, I had a bunch of mutual people in, in the home church that kind of felt the same way I did. Yeah. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like cutthroat. I wasn't sitting here like, Oh, I hate the home church. You know, <laughs> it was like, what can we do to change this? Because I'm no. seeing this and this isn't, this isn't good for really the dynamic. And yeah. I want to see this change so that when people come into this group, 
they want to stay. They want to be here. So, all right, we, we, we thought about it. We prayed about it. We decided before we go and have a meeting, we should ask Dennis what to do. So we asked Dennis. Uh, Dennis goes, have a meeting with your home church leaders. And I'm, I'm going to out my home church leaders. I don't care. Um, <laughs> Danny and Cheryl Walker, uh, were my home church leaders. Okay. And, uh, Cheryl actually discipled me for, uh, a while. And that was an unpleasant experience to say the least. But, um, so we have this meeting. Everybody's kind of going through. And kind of saying what they're seeing. It gets to me, I start talking and I say, you know, I don't see us fellowshipping. I don't see us, you know, really even showing love towards each other. So if we bring new people into this home church, you know, I don't, how is this going to feel? Can we try to start spending time with each other like we used to? Can we? You know, go to the movies. Can we go bowling? Because we did used to do things like right, that. You right. know, you, even you if learned it was, that. Yeah, that's what you were taught through the whole thing. Ice cream. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Through the whole thing. So I'm in the middle of saying this, and Danny looks at me and goes, just totally interrupts me and goes, <laughs> Sorry, it's like even thinking about it now, I'm like, oh my God. Um, <laughs> he goes, you know, sometimes home church leaders and their members don't always get along. And I'm, I'm like, all right. And he's like, and that just means that we have to part ways. And so he stands up right in the middle of this meeting with all of us and he's like, And I have to go. And he walked out of the meeting. And I was just like, like, I never, my, my whole life, like Zenos, Zenos had been so supportive of me and my mom in particular for such a long period of time in my life that when that happened, I didn't know what to do. It was like, having a family member slap you across the face. Yeah. You know? And I mean, I don't mean to be dramatic, but I literally didn't know what to do because this was like my last straw. I was like, I can't, I can't be here anymore because this is negative. This energy. And and so at that point I was panicking. I was panicking because I mean, I had never left the church other than I briefly left I mean, probably my junior year of high school, I just up and quit the discipleship team because my cell group disbanded and like nobody cared. So kind of for a similar reason. And then I had an old cell group leader bring me back into the college group when I was like graduating from high school. So, but he, I mean, he did that. And I mean, that was not the only thing he, he confronted me one time him he confronted me and my my friend in the basement of the girls ministry house he said asked me if he could talk to me and my friend um about ct the night before so i and he's like 
can we go into the basement? And, and, and I'm thinking in my mind, what? You know, like that's already freaking me out. Can we go into the basement? So I get down there and he starts talking and he goes, so last night at CT, you and I'm not going to mention my friend's name, but you and yada, yada, you know, looked like you were having a good time. And I had no idea what he was talking about. And so the night before, Dennis had given a teaching on, like, sex and dating. And he made some random off-putting joke, and he said something, and it it was funny. So, like, the whole CT, like, laughed at it. So he was confronting me and her about laughing at that joke when everyone was laughing at the joke. I, I I don't know if he had, like, just didn't like me, didn't like me because I was, like, bringing up things that were issues. But I looked at him and I go, everyone was laughing at that. I said, I'm not going to sit here and listen to this anymore. And I looked at my friend and I said, you don't have to sit here and listen to this anymore. And I walked out. And before I got up to the steps, I said, and I'm not so sure that you should have been the one confronting me about that because it was very uncomfortable. Him yeah. taking us into the basement, and this was at a prayer meeting that we were at, taking us into the basement, two women, it just, something about it rubbed me the wrong way. I don't know. And I think I, back then I didn't even care. But when I think about it today, I'm like, that was totally wrong. Like, it was, you know, and it was very awkward, and I yeah. just don't, you know, so just, I don't know. Well, it's definitely <laughs> inappropriate. I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, the whole the whole yeah. context of the whole thing just is insane, you know, but, yeah. but why would you need to drag someone down alone into a basement and, but, mm-hmm. you know, to do that sort of thing? I mean, that stems back to, I think, what seems to be something that Xenos basically has long and still within its, within its culture, within, within its soul is that, you know, there's different rules for men, there's different rules for women. Now this, yeah. this, 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 this gentleman was a leader of some sort, so therefore he had the mm-hmm. right to be able to drag you downstairs and do that. Uh, yeah. would that have been something a woman could have done to men? I, I kind of highly know. doubt it. Definitely not. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it just seems to me that, the, you know, like I said, the, the gender roles in, in, in Xenos when it comes to leadership are, 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 are pretty, pretty, pretty inappropriately, uh, founded themselves. I mean, yeah. uh, I mean, I mean, let's, let's think about, I mean, think of the instruction that you were taught when you're going through your compulsory classwork. I mean, uh, we know that there were things that they were taught there about, about, life and, 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 and things of that nature that, that, uh, uh, the way things were, the way Xenos feels that, uh, the relationship should be handled, yada, yada, yada. Um, but there were specific spins on them that, the, that the boys were to catch that, the, that, that weren't binding on the women and vice versa. What weren't there? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And it was always mentioned to us always, always. I remember this even being, in middle school, you know, when you marry, you know, and they will do, they will do teachings in middle school about marriage and dating and sex. They do all of it. When you marry, the man is the head of the household. What the man says goes, you know, and, and like, 
I just, I don't know. I think about, I think about that. And then I think about how dating is in the college group and how, I mean, it is like a rushed procedure because they do not want premarital sex by any means, you know? And so it's like they rush people into marriage. And I have had several friends divorce. I mean, just up and divorced from their husbands in Xenos. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, several, more than, uh, than you know, I want to say both hands. So that's kind of crazy, you know. You get, I don't know, and then you're conditioned to be in, like, certain relationships that are unhealthy. Like, the man is the head of the household, but what if the man is abusive, you know? Like, you get in situation, what if the man is an addict, you know? Like, (laughs) you get in these situations, like, where it's like, okay, like, what do I do here then, you know? So, In in the midst of all that you were taught, okay, and and you're bringing up some really good points, because that's exactly the sort of thing that just needs needs to be talked about. It needs to be shared, how Xenos really sets itself apart this way, in in terms of, of sharing how... You know, young men and women who are who are growing and are being taught and being taught in classes. Xenos has its own unique way of spinning on things, which which you know go I think way beyond I think the traditional evangelical interpretations of that. I mean, I mean, I mean I'm not all that crazy myself, even even though I'm an evangelical Pentecostal minister. I'm not all that crazy about some of what is said within our circles about that. But Xenos right. has its own unique. Um, spin on these things, some of which you're talking about here, mm-hmm. uh, and, and and it seems as if women are, are they're, they're back and they're back and forth on how women should be submissive and should be and understand that that uh, that girls uh, have to expect boys to be certain ways, and 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 it seems to be me as as if they're they set up and perpetuate. These stereotypes, which are sadly altogether too true in Xenos, where boys literally can do as they please, and and and, and in terms of relating to other to other young women, and even though they, yeah we're not supposed to have sex, if something happens, it's always the girl's fault, and things along, along those lines. Does that, does that sound about right? Um. Yeah. I mean, I've I've seen that kind of thing happen before. Yeah. Not it, like. Not necessarily in my specific, like, home church, but, yeah, definitely held to a way higher standard. Um, My one friend who was confronted with me in the basement uh, by Danny, she lived in that ministry house, and she began having, I mean, this is this is part of her story, but also part of a means to an end to mine. So it kind of includes me, but she... You know, she was living in that ministry house and she kind of started having some issues like mental health issues. And I I think she was also struggling with whether or not she was straight or, you know, if she, if she liked girls. So like Mm -hmm. she was struggling with her identity on that. And so, um, that was kind of like unacceptable to them. And she, you know, they, I mean, she was, I can't. Struggling with gender identity. You're saying struggling 
discussions yeah. with struggles about gender identity are off limits, as you said. There's something that leaders don't like to deal with. Yeah, and so, like, because she was having these problems, I I don't know what happened, but I, I, had ta- I used to talk to her every day, and then I called her one day, and she didn't answer. And that was really unusual. And mm-hmm. so I kept trying to get a hold of her, and she wouldn't answer. And this was, like, going on two days. So finally, I drive over to the ministry house, and I'm trying to find her. And, and, and I walk in. And one of the girls who was also in my home church um, was, like, reading the Bible. And I'm like, hey, I don't mean to interrupt you, but where have you seen Betsy, you know? And she's like, um, she's like, like, choose me out. You know, you really oh should gosh. call before you come over. And I'm like, oh, my God. I flipped out and left. I left. And I was freaking out at this point because I hadn't talked to her in two days. And that was just not, not usual. Mm. So a mutual yeah. friend of ours who was in the home church but also left, um, her parents happened to be leaders on the west side, at, at the west side CT. And so somehow they got a hold of the information that um, she was in net care. Which is, I, I don't know if you know what that is, but it's like, it's like a, it's like a hospital that they send you to when you're like, A, want to kill yourself or just having like a mental like breakdown. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, if she was going to net care, that's fine. But why can't you tell me that? You know, knowing that I, I, you know, that I care about her and that I talk to her every day. Why can't I know that? You know, and yeah. like they didn't want to tell me. They they literally would only talk to my other friend's parents who were leaders in the church. And that was another major red flag. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense. That a person that I care about in the church, you're not going to tell me about their well-being when you know that I'm concerned about it and thinking yeah. that this person might be dead, might be, you know, like I have no idea. You know, so it, that that was another big, big thing that I was just like, this isn't, yeah. I, I don't know what they told her about her mental health or, or what they told her to do, but all I know is that the way that they handled it was inappropriate, and I, I just, I don't know. I don't sure. know. I just know. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, here, here you have this group. Zenos Christian Fellowship. I mean, think of the words you just spoke. Zenos Christian Fellowship. You're supposed to be, uh, I mean, a saying to the deepest, you know, ideals of, of, of Christian community and love and care and concern. I mean, that's what I would think that someone like Dennis McCallum or Delashman or the rest of their tribe would want you, everyone in the world to hear Especially in the, in the evangelical world outside Xenos, which is what they really want everybody to hear, is that, that we're just this non-traditional group of people loving each other as Jesus wants to love them. And yet, things like what you're sharing are, are not at all, and not at all anomalies. They're, 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 they're go on all the time. Where, where people yeah. just treat each other so ghastly. They just, mm-hmm. they just show absolutely Anti-social, unchristian about what they're doing. And, and, and so 
here's here's a question I want to ask you about that. Now, I understand you're seeing these are red flags, and and they're absolutely yeah. right. You're absolutely right. There, that's what they should yeah. be. But if Xenos was the center of the universe you live in, how do you start realizing that there was such a right and wrong that that that, that this was not the right way to treat them? This is how did you know I, that? I think it took a lot. I mean, I, I I honestly still think I'm recovering from a lot of it. Yeah, which is why you know I've been so. I don't want to say reluctant or maybe apprehensive is a better better word for doing this interview because I'm like, I feel like I will be all over the place, but um, it it is things that continue to occur to me over time. Like all the stuff that happened when I was a kid and this the fact that I've been studying about children because it is what I'm doing for a profession, you know, being a teacher right. and reading about the things that happen to kids' brains in certain stages of development, like yeah. those, you know, those are things that are occurring to me now. I think, I think what snapped me out of it was. I did actually try to go to another home church and it was my friend's home church on the West side of Columbus. And I can't remember who you interviewed that said something along the lines of when they go to a different home church, they get a shunned feeling. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I don't know, remember who that was, but that is exactly what happened to me at that home church. And it was on a completely other side of Columbus. So I'm at the north side and this is at happening at the west side CT. And I, I specifically remember this because I was at this home church and I don't remember what they were teaching on, but uh, when I knew, I do not share right off the bat. I just don't do that. I like to observe a little bit and kind right. of gain my, you know. Mm-hmm. So sure. I was like, you know what? I'm in kind of a vulnerable spot right now. I'm like, maybe if I kind of, like, be vulnerable with everybody and just kind of share who I am and kind of share about how I feel about, you know, this particular topic that we're talking about, maybe people will kind of bite and kind of, you know, come talk to me. Mm-hmm. So I did this yeah. and it was like crickets. Okay. It was like crickets. Like, I'm sorry I ever even said anything. And yeah. so I remember my friend asking me, How, how'd you like it? How'd you like it? And I was like, you know, well, it's nice, you know, just trying to be kind of friendly to her or whatever. Um, but it was, it was awful. It felt awful. And, um, that's what it felt like from then on. Um, you're just shunned. You're automatically cast out. Like you have done something wrong. I remember my boyfriend, he, (laughs) he, he, he would do this, but he, he left, he lived in the, the ministry house, the guy's ministry house. And he waited till everyone went to CT one night, packed up all his crap in a trash bag, and wrote on the dry erase board, it's been real, and, like, peace, and Chad. And that was it. And he and nobody ever heard from Chad after that. 
but <laughs> this was after this was after I dated him the first time, yeah. and everybody said things like, "Oh, he stole this, he did this, yeah, he did," you know. And so when I met up with Chad later in life, or after Xenos, and started dating him again, I was like, "Hey." They said that you did these things. Did you do this? And he was like, no. Like, you know, and I, I know that's like, I, he might be lying, but I, I honestly believe that he didn't steal whatever it is they right. thought he stole. They make up rumors. Right. They make up rumors to justify someone leaving. Right. And they do, they, or they just, uh, you know, tell you, oh, this person just walked away from God. This person, <laughs> yeah. okay, yeah. maybe the person went to another church, you know, or like even just the simple fact of leaving Columbus, like that is like totally taboo. If you start mentioning that, they start coming up with all kinds of reasons why you shouldn't, Right. you know, Right. and it's really, it's just, it's crazy. So. I don't know. <laughs> well, like I said, you know, the, they will make these things up as a means of justifying uh, why they should in turn be so remote and distant and, and hateful uh, to those who are involved with them or to the people themselves. There, there's no honorable way to leave a cult. Right. There isn't any way. There, there's You can't exercise conscience because you're not supposed to have one. You can't yeah. be sincere uh, in, in your convictions because – there to be doubted because you're, you're really secretly not, not, you're actually a loser. So how can we, how can we trust that? You can't leave a movement like that without any, without any honor at all. I mean, with, with honor, you, you, you can't leave because you have differences because they're so true. They're so right. How, how would you, how would you dare leave such an absolutely correct group? Right. <laughs> I right. mean, the absolute epitome of truth. Well, I'm afraid uh, to to you know, be the bearer of bad news for people like Xenos and 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 all the group there, but that there's there's been thousands of people <laughs> who have been in and out through the revolving doors of their ministry houses, who have left and and have come away with with these exact same observations and um, uh, their truth. It doesn't matter what anyone, what any of the PR people say. It doesn't matter. They can release any kind of statement they want about everything. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be the truth. Uh, you, you, all these thousands of people leaving, uh, can't all be spiritual losers. Yeah, there's going to be people here and there who are going to have issues, but I, I frankly, I don't think Chad was one of them. <laughs> I mean, he might have had problems. Everybody, I mean, everybody's got problems, but I don't think stealing stuff from a ministry house was one of them. I mean, uh, and, and apologies to you, Chad. I'm not trying to put you down there like that, but, but I'm just thinking, you know, that's the way it, it is in movements like Xeno. So was that your final straw? You could no longer bear that led you to leave her? I what? think it was, I think the final thing was trying at the West Side CT or at West Side Home Church and that absolute shunning. Yeah. Almost like they were cued to do that from North Side CT because they if if I'm leaving, I can't go anywhere else. I have to be where they want me, right? I can't make my own mind up. Because my mind is not my own. It's theirs. You know? Do you, do you and see that, that right there was probably when it clicked. 
Yeah. And I was like, Hol- I don't, I don't want to cuss, but I'm, I'm might just do it. Holy shit. Yeah. I was like, Holy shit. Like I have to leave. And it was, I mean, it that the, the, even just the, that right there, I have to leave, like knowing you have to leave and why knowing that it's so toxic that it's like, I have to get out of here after it's been your whole life is, is a little, it's terrifying. Yeah. It's terrifying. Yeah. You know, because they teach you that they teach you that the world is terrifying and okay. It is, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going to be okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, absolutely. And that's, that's what, like, I couldn't understand was it's like, you have to have a leash on me. You know, you can't, you can't just be happy that I might go to another church and, and, and be happy here. Like, you know, it just, it was very, it didn't make sense. And I'm like, if it doesn't make sense, then it isn't right. You yeah. know, right. it isn't right. And, and I was like, you know, you're, I started seeing all these things that were, you know, contradictory to like things that I had read in the Bible, things that they had taught me, right. you know, and it was just like, what the hell is going on here? Like, I, you know, and then I'm, you know, I, I honestly, I, I think, I have to say that I wasn't even comfortable admitting it was a cult for a really long time. Maybe up until, I want to say like four, four or five years ago was when I was like, okay, it's a cult, you know, because you're still, you you have like, like aftershock or something. Sure. Like, and you just kind of like. <laughs> Oh, I wasn't in a cult. There's no way I was in a cult, you know, like right. we weren't drinking Kool-Aid. We weren't, you know, but were you? <laughs> right. Question. Like, well, nobody so, joins a cult. Nobody lives in a right. cult. People join churches. Right. They, they, they join associations. They join yeah. uh, uh, fellowships that are meant to uplift them and strengthen them. And that's your ideal. That's what you want, but in the end, structurally, you find that it's just the opposite, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Wow. Yeah. So that really was the fatal flaw of Xena for you then. It was just of realizing that they're, that, that they, are, they wallow in a, in a hypocrisy that's just, that's just mm-hmm. unbelievable to, to behold. Yes. I mean, so, yeah. so and, and you, you're sharing with so well why the testimony of so many who leave consistently is one of utter personal devastation and brokenness. It's right. because people go into this thing hoping to come something out of it. People go into Xenos hoping for something redemptive, something uplifting. They want to serve God. They want to, they don't want to, they don't want to, like I said, they don't want to join a cult. They want to, they want to do something well with themselves. Yeah. They want to apply themselves in a way that, that they think pleases God and enables them to, to make a difference in the world. And then they find, just the opposite, and then they realize the issue really seems to be more with them as you were taught <laughs> by, the, mm-hmm. by all the shunning. Uh, do you think maybe perhaps your your leaders at, at, at the north side place where you were may have had a little conversation with the people and, on the west side? Did oh, you I, I would not doubt it to say the least because the two of them in particular are like that. I mean, not to be you know, vindictive, but I can't say when I, my feelings about this will, 
you know, not display hurt, you know? Like, sure. she, you know, just... I, I, you know, she, she did something with me when I was, did the dangling the carrot thing with me. Um, when she was discipling me, Cheryl Walker, and she, uh, had a meeting with me at her house. And that night they were going to have like a home church, like leader meeting at their house and they were going to do dinner and all this stuff and talk about the home church and pray and whatnot. And so I was doing my discipleship time with her right before that. So she's talking to me about, you know, um, being a leader and starting to get to the church. And mind you, I'm 19 years old and I don't really have two pennies to rub together. Um, I think I worked at Bob Evans at the time in the kitchen and I made probably minimum wage and I worked part-time. So um, telling me about tithing and doing that. And I mean, I'm not saying that I don't want to give to the church, but I'm trying to pay for, you know, just trying to learn how to be an adult at this moment. Yeah. And she, uh, she tells me I can't move into the ministry house, but, um, I can move in to her house with her and Danny and it will, it will be the same as living in a ministry house because they'll count it the same so I can be a leader. And I'm like, okay. And I, I really was like, you know, I, I'm like, I'll have to think about that. Cause at the time I lived with my mom, I wasn't paying rent and it was like, you know, I, I didn't live far. It wasn't like a problem for me. So I didn't really need to move. And so I'm getting ready to leave and all the people are showing up for the leadership meeting. And she goes, if you move in here, then you can, then you can start being a part of these leadership meetings. And like, like as people are coming in the door. And I remember that, like, now, and I'm like, that was so messed up. Like, that was so messed up. Like, to do that to me, knowing that my heart was driving towards being a leader, knowing that I wanted to, you know, lead younger women in Christ alongside of me, knowing that you would do that and dangle that above my head, trying to get some kind of response out of me. Like at the yeah. time I, I was like, Oh, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to do it. You know, I'm going to do it. I mean, cause that's, yeah. you know, good, good dog, good dog. Right. So like, I, I think about it now and it's just so, I mean, it's just gaslighting at its essence. Yeah. Like, and I just, I, I can't believe it. Like, and I, I continue to talk to my mom about that. And my mom goes, what did she ever think moving you into her house was going to do? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I I don't really want to think about that because it's like, yeah. it's weird to me. It's weird to me, especially with the way Danny treated me. I would have been living under the same roof with him. Like, I, you know, wouldn't have been doing that. But yeah. the the other part of my heart, would have would have probably sacrificed my 
uncomfortable feelings about Danny so that I could get that leadership position. Because right. that's what I wanted. That's the that's the gold ticket. That's the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory golden ticket. You know. Right. So and that's, that's what, what she's doing. And that's yeah, what you've that's been right. pushed to do. I mean, from yes. from so from your middle school days on, you start yes. taking you start taking leadership classes, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. and these oh, classes, yeah. it was taught. That's the epitome. That's the creme de la creme. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the Mount Everest of spiritual life is to be a leader in Xenos, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Being a leader meant everything. Meant you could do everything. If you weren't a leader, you you were basically nothing. And then. They, they, it's, it becomes almost like, again, who are you doing this? Is this for God or is this a popularity contest? Mm, And a great deal of what I experienced, and I hate to again out a bunch of people in Dinos, but a big thing that what I experienced is these, these deacons kids, these, these elder kids, um, with these last names, these particular last names, the, uh, the Facebook page calls them Xenos royalty. Right. And they're like, you know, they have these particular last names because they're the, their parents give to the church or whatever. They give their leaders or whatever. These kids can do no wrong. Um, a lot of the times they can do no wrong. And they are put in leadership positions when they deserve them and it, or when they don't deserve them. And it's, it's, it's kind of crazy watching that happen. You know, you've got kids who, you know, I, I like to think about the, the chick from Footloose, the daughter from Footloose and how crazy she was, you know? Like kids that are supposed to be the pastor's kids and supposed to be all well behaved, but are actually the craziest kids in the bunch. Right. These are the kids that you have leading, you know, and that's like, okay, but I bet there's a bunch of other junior high kids that are really actually committed to this cause instead of you just lining up these kids that are, you know, and, and that's what they do. You know, and that was another thing that I, I had experienced there. They're, they'll just, you know, certain last name, McCallum, Delashment, whatever, Lethful, doesn't matter. You know, as long as the Benedum, you know, as long as they are leaders, kids, they will put them in leadership positions. And it, they might not even be deserved or these people might not even you know, be living a life kind of worthy of doing it. And they end up giving these really cool things like, you know, going on these missions trips to like kind of, I feel like people that don't deserve it, you know, (laughs) just based on the fact, just based on the fact that their parents are deacons or elders or whatever, you know? And so that's another thing too. And I think you get that kind of, everywhere but like that was that was a big thing that still is a big thing it will always be a big thing in xenos you know Frank. But, Frank, so, Frank yeah. will always have his privilege won't it right <laughs> yeah it really will so 
Well, Xenos is, you know, really feeling heat like never before with the explosion of social media criticism and TV media coverage. You know, I'm just saying from Mark's, Mark Kennedy's xenosisacult.com website. It's one of the first to really start sounding the alarm. I'm grateful he's had, he's now got a lot more company coming in. Uh, what, what's your reaction to that? How, how you been feeling about what's, what's going on there? Um, with the website, with the websites, all the, all the, the I mean, they've gotten a lot more, <laughs> more explode. They've got a lot more exposure, a lot more confrontation yeah, in the past few um, months than ever before. So a couple years ago, my boyfriend and I did an interview, just a local interview, um, for the Ohio state, like campus radio station. Oh, and really? it was just when it was just when Mark had his website up. And so we interviewed for it and the guy pulls the website up and he's like, have you seen this website? And I had never seen it. And I could not believe what I was seeing. Like, and testimonials, like that was insane to me. Then when I started reading things and like some of the things were just baffling. And I'm like, and then it, it became clear, like, I'm not alone. It became even more clear that I wasn't alone when people I knew also left, like Jessica and Katie and Amy, who were all very close friends of mine, and we were all in the same, you know, our cell group together in, like, our early years of high school. Like, when they left, I was like, it's this is real. Like, this is real. This isn't a joke anymore. Oh, Xenos is a cult. You know, this is real. And then they have the billboard now, which just got put up, I think, last week or the week before that. But their reaction to the billboard is completely ludicrous. It's just... It's like, it's, I cannot, I can't believe it. I cannot believe, and it's, it's, to me, I'm, I'm a hothead. If you, you know, if you can't tell, I'm a hothead. So (laughs) the minute that I see these things and, and their responses, they piss me off. I'm like, but it's like, you know, I mean, there's nothing I, like, what am I, what do do I want them to do? Admit they're a call? Of course. Are they going to do that? Absolutely not. Because who does that, you know? So then it's like, it's, I just have to be patient because everybody's sharing their story, all these people, everything coming out, all of this is coming to a head for a reason, you know? And I mean, I didn't honestly think when I was, you know, younger that I'd be one of the people to be a part of undoing it, but I really think it needs undone. I mean, you are instilling these things in children at a young age. You're creating, I mean, there's just so much. I can go on forever about it. It's insane. So like, I just don't, I, I, I mean, it's a part of my life. I try to think about, I try not to think about it a lot, but I know that, you know, I have learned from it and at my essence, you know, I am better because of it, you know? And, and, you know, and that's a very positive way to look at it. What what would you say to people who are listening to this podcast who uh, have been where you are and have not quite made that transition. There's a lot of people who are actually quite stuck with what has happened oh, to them. 
And you, you just mentioned that you were trying to see it as, you know, something that you can certainly get a lot of good from. How, how have you done that? What, what, how have you been able to actually put this into context within your own life? Well, I think that, you know, a lot of people, I think, you know, they'll endlessly kind of search for they want another church. And I see, I see the draw to that. I see that. And, um, I mean, I'm not saying that I would never go back to church, but I think that there is a large part of me that is like psychologically damaged from it, from it, you know, um, not necessarily the God parts, but more so the people being in my life and like kind of trying to steer it one way when I'm trying to do something else. You know, um, I think people who are, who are trying to leave and you're right on the cusp, I honestly say, I mean, I know it's hard to do, but I, I say, just do it, just do it, just do it, do it. You will not regret it. Do things that, you know, you've never done before. I mean, make new friends with people you wouldn't normally talk to, um, you know, be outside. I know these things are easier said than done, but like when I left, I felt myself doing this because it was like, I don't have anybody anymore. Everybody's in the, in the church, you know, I don't have anybody. So I, you're desperately grasping, you know, and it's really difficult. I see how people can go into a great big depression if they don't have a support system under them some way, somehow. And, but it's way better than staying in that toxic environment. I agree. That is, that is not what God wants for you. Those people do not represent God and what he wants for your life. It may seem like that they are wolves in sheep's clothing. Yeah. And that is the best way to put it because I simply thought everybody in there was was there to help me. And the minute that I had, I mean, it was one single issue that I just wanted to talk about. It was like, I'm not allowed to have a problem. Yeah. You know, you'll, you'll, you'll accept the way things are, you know, and it was a simple, you know, just request that we work on this as a group. You know, it wasn't like I'm coming in like with my checklist and I'm here to critique how you're running your, your home church. I mean, this is my home church. Yeah. I mean, shouldn't I take some ownership of it? Shouldn't I be noticing these things? I mean, wouldn't it be weird if I just continued to go about everything as it always is and not raise any questions or, you know, like, yeah, absolutely. I just, I don't know. Yeah, it's and you know and, and that's the whole sad tragic thing that you know a, a, a very laudable and very understandable part of 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 how the Christian faith should be uh, lived out is in community is in sharing mm-hmm. relationships. So when you are taught to do that in a place like Zion's and you start doing you start thinking that this one anothering concept that Dennis is so mm-hmm. big on about people. You know, caring for one another, loving one another, and living with each other, and living with each other, and, and learning how to how to how to interact with each other. When you start getting 
down to that nitty gritty, suddenly it's 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 like unsavory. It's it's something that shouldn't be dealt with, and and that's a damaging thing when when people when young men and women first reach out, start being vulnerable, start being open, start being con- connecting with one another in such deep ways, and in the most absolute arena you could be. We're talking about you know. You know, heaven and hell, you know, life and death, you know, right and right, wrong. Right, right. You start it's going and in, in, you start talking in that context and then they, and they get treated like this. It's crushing. Right. It's damaging. Yes. But it, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that, that there isn't a reality to that someplace else beyond that kind of hot, that hot house. And, yes. uh, and I would think that, you know, with with what's going on with uh with the the websites and and all the social media, I mean, there is definitely life beyond Xenos, and I and that's oh, one yes, of the things that I sure. and I and I appreciate you coming on to share that insight because that really is uh, one of the things that that I would hope people come away with anything that we've done in these podcasts. So so uh, I really want to thank you for the time we spent today. But in closing, I would like to just give you a, a little bit more time here on the floor and. Uh, something we'd like to do is, is uh, to all those, uh, something we'd like to share with all, with people. Something, something we like to provide for our, our guests who come on and share so freely to people who are within, uh, their respective movements or where they're at. Is there something that perhaps you maybe like, would like to share with someone or anyone or with people there at Xenos? Uh, you maybe would like just like to send a message back to something you'd like to share in closing that that would maybe give some people that you care about food for thought or or just in general. <laughs> um, I'd say uh, I guess the day of reckoning is upon us, and um, I mean they've you know Xenos dwell. You can change your name to whatever you want to. You've got a lot to answer to, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's not, it's not to me or the individual stories anymore. This, this is to God, you know, you have to answer to God for these things. And, you know, part of me, I know sounds, you know, spiteful and of course I'm spiteful, but a, a big part of me is just my heart is broken. Because, yeah. you know, a place that yeah. I trusted with, you know, my heart and I gave so much of my heart to, yeah. um, mm-hmm. continues to do this to not just people that I care about, but other people that I don't even know. And it's, it's just a vicious cycle. And I mean, it's, it's coming. You can, you can hire PR directors, you know. It's just, honestly, I just think time to stop running, you know, time to start seriously looking at it. Mm-hmm. And for people who are in it, um, you know, it might take you a minute to snap out and it's understandable. Um, if you're right on the cusp, I'm telling you, jump in with both feet. You won't yeah. regret it. Yeah. Um, there, there will be there, people there to, um, to catch you. And one thing that I always like to think about is, um, uh, Katie Reinecker, my friend wrote that paper about her experience and she's very intelligent. So the paper can be a little tricky to follow at certain points, but when she shares her experience, it is just explicitly clear that, you know, her, she too, her heart was broken. 
And she talks about how people also need to answer to this, but um, how it's not Xenos or Dwell are the people who are fixing it or and the people that come out of there. It's people like you who are doing this podcast for us to have a, a pedestal to air what we went through. It's people um, that are professional doctors and, and psychiatrists that help with these problems. It's the community. It's, yes. it's, it's coworkers. And what saddens me is that there's more kindness in these people that you have trained me and many others to be so afraid of. There's right. more kindness in them than yeah. there is in you who you say you're from God, mm-hmm. you know? And that to me is just crushing. Mm-hmm. That, right. that right there is probably the best way I can end it. And yeah. I mean, I love that the community picks those people up, but that is so messed up that Xenos cannot even, they, I just can't deal with it. Like it, it just is disappointing every day. Yeah. Every day that it goes un, un, you know, noticed or it just keeps getting brushed under the rug. Like it's just sad. It's just sad. Yeah. And you know, I don't think you're spiteful one bit. I think you're hurt. To be spiteful is to have a viciousness, to be petty, to be vindictive. You're not, I I have not heard any of that in any person that I have spoken with. I've heard anger, sure. I've heard hurts. I've heard indignation. I've heard outrage. But those are things that stand apart from vindictiveness or or evil doing or slander, as they like to say. None of these things are, are what I've heard from a single person that I've spoken with. I've spoken to a lot of people. Uh, I've written yeah. to a lot of people. I've not heard any of that from those who have written in and sharing their brokenness. And, and you know, the Bible says that judgment is coming. Uh, that you mentioned, reckoning is coming, and the judgment, the Scripture says, is to begin at the house of God. So, if if Zenos claims to be a house of God, claims to be the, the epitome of Christian faith, then that day is surely at hand. And mm-hmm. as the old prophet would say, I would echo with him saying that they need to repent and repent speedily. And I want to end it on that. And thank you, Aaron, for allowing, for coming alongside and just basically sharing with us a perspective that's so valuable. And I thank you so much for taking the time to do that this evening. Okay, no problem. <laughs> Thanks for listening today as we explore just where are we going prayer is that you have been encouraged and strengthened and if necessary challenged in your daily journey through life. Jesus is coming. You can fall with the night or you can rise with the sun. The choice is yours. You can email us with questions and comments at feedback at spiritwatch.org. And if you need urgent personal spiritual help, email us at help at spiritwatch.org. We look forward to hearing from you. Please follow our podcasting at our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org. This podcast is a production of Spirit Watch Ministries, taking heed that no man deceives you.